Welcome to Purposely Catholic. This program is a critical part of how we assist parents with children in living up to their call to be the primary catechists and teachers of the faith in their homes. Over the course of our time together, we'll hear from Father Len McMillan and Father John Mosier as we discuss matters of the faith central to every Catholic family. Thank you for joining us. Well, welcome back to another episode of Purposely Catholic. Uh, it'll be important, actually, to, in our archive, you'll see it online, to go back and reference the last episode in order to segue into this episode, it's almost a prerequisite, I think, Father, because you gave a brilliant sure. introduction. Oh, on the brilliant. Bread of Life. It was brilliant. Bread of Life. I noticed you were tearing up when I, I was talking. I, I, I'm tearing up because I'm still just moved. moved by that discussion. But it actually was important. It was the Tree of Life, which segued into an understanding of the Bread of Life. And then in today's gathering, we're going to talk about the Bread of Life as made manifest in the Eucharist and how we as Catholics understand are teaching about the Blessed or Sacrament. Put it this way, tell your kids, what is the effect of the Eucharist? What is the effect of the Eucharist? I go to Mass, I believe it's Jesus Christ received in the Eucharist. What happens as a consequence of receiving that true, true presence? Let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Good and gracious God, we ask you to guide this time together. Help us to understand the source and summit of our faith through the sacramental life of the church, most especially the blessed sacrament, the bread of life, Christ's presence in the Eucharist. Guide our time together now. This we pray for your son's name. Amen. Father, did you want to begin with uh, a pickup from last time where we talked a little bit about the bread of life? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Very what, good. what I want to start with is this odd story. I don't think you ever met him. Uh, did you ever meet Father Frank when you were at Mount Angel? Frank, no. Okay. He, well, okay. So he was this parish priest in Portland. Um, and I love his story. He was best friends with this priest at Mount Angel. So it occasionally He'd come down show to the up. Hill. Yeah, very funny, very odd man. I like eccentric people. Um, he had terrible eyesight um, and these really thick glasses. And he was just very unique because he would hold a cigarette and with his glasses, he could use them as a magnifying glass to start nice a cigarette. Wow. I know, like, okay, he's bizarre, <laughs> but funny. Um, and he um, he was just really a saint. Uh, did amazing amount of work. Uh, was a missionary priest in all these really hard, hard places. And uh, he had a health problem when he was a missionary that affected his heart. So when Boy. he gets older, it affects him. And um, he retired. But once he retired, you know, what do you do? So at that time period, Burnside, Portland was Skid Row. Yeah. So drug addicts and all that. So he retired, but he got a little tiny apartment on Burnside. And he would wake up early in the morning and he'd go to the local parish. And then he would, uh, you know, he took this shopping cart. So technically, I guess it's stealing. But when asked about it, he said, well, Jesus had need of a donkey. I have need of a shopping cart. Why not? <laughs> so, well, it was stealing. But he took the shopping cart and he would get up early, make these huge urns of coffee wow. and all these sandwiches. And then he would go on Burnside and just sit and at a bench yeah. and feed the inebriated oh, Knights of the Road, the ladies of the evening, and not proselytizing, just being a friend. But of course, you know, all the 
you know, alcoholics and drug addicts, he was their friend. And he would, just in conversation, try and make their lives better. Yeah. So, anyhow, so uh, the newspaper picked up this article about this saint of Burnside, who was friends of drug addicts and prostitutes. And it was a great article because they asked him in the article, why do you do this? You've worked all your life and then in retirement you're doing this. Why do you do this? And his line was great where he said, all my life I've fed on the bread of life and my life will be bread for others. So it's a great Eucharistic twist. Eucharistic twist. What a Um, story. I know. So actually there's a little bit more to it where um, it's just humor. The priests of Portland read this in the newspaper and they decided, you know, we're going to help him in his ministry. We're all going to make a donation for the coffee and the bread. Buy the cart for him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So all the priests decided they'd write a check to support his ministry. And uh, I think this is funny. You know what he did? Sent back every check with the message, make your own sandwiches. (laughs) 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 But I love the fact that if you talk about the effects of the Eucharist, I love his line where all my life I've fed on the bread of life. And then even with a heart trouble, sick and all dying, yeah. he will be bread. And Giving of himself. Right. Wow. If, you, if we feed on the real presence of Christ, then we're supposed to be the presence of Christ in the world. Um, so when you say, well, what are the effects of the Eucharist? That's effect. We become so one with Christ that we do the work of Christ. We have the heart of Christ. So going back to Moses, when he talks about the Passover, he says, this is not just ritual for show. This is not entertainment. And worship should not be entertainment. Right. I can love it. But if it's about, you know, putting on a big show and entertainment, we missed it. it's selfish. Yeah. You've it's made a distraction from that then your entertainment is the source of your life that you're putting you but really worship should be putting god highest um and i'm just saying so moses says this is not just a show this is a commitment you share in the bread of life then the effect is we we pour out our lives for others um in genesis i know it's strange they give several reasons in the Bible for celebrating the Sabbath. In Genesis, you celebrate the Sabbath so that you can become a true human being. We celebrate the Eucharist so that we can become true human beings. We can act and live and love like Christ. In Exodus, the reason why you keep the Sabbath is so that you don't become an Egyptian. We celebrate the Eucharist. And the fact is, we don't want to become like the world. We don't want to become political and aggressive and selfish and greedy. We want to become like citizens of heaven. If all those in heaven share in the bread of life, and that's what keeps them, you know, alive and eternal, then we want to act like them. And so the effect of the Eucharist, well, you'd say is twofold. One is holiness. If the Eucharist is the presence of Christ and we believe it is, then That's one of our sources of holiness. It makes us morally different. We become more and more holy. The other effect is called the ecclesial effect. And so um, uh, St. Bonaventure, 
Aquinas' teacher. Bonaventure called it the res ulti ultima. You know, the ultimate end mm -hmm. is unity. unity. Communio. Uh, with right, communio. It creates this unbreakable unity between each other and God. That all of us live in this great solidarity. And that solidarity creates justice. So I did this thesis on uh, the ecclesial side of the Eucharist, which just means what's the effect of the Eucharist? And the effect of the Eucharist is this life of justice. Um, I'm a big fan of justice, kinda. <laughs> In the modern world, this is just my, the word justice often to me smacks of entitlement. Sure. So right. I have- Do me. Yeah, it's something Regardless for me. Of merit, something's due me. Yeah. But religiously, or the Catholic idea of justice is that, no, I become a just person. I care about the poor, the weak. I care about life. I defend life because I fed on the bread of life. You become like Father Frank um, or St. Paul. That's Offering his, your life in, right. in service of others. Yeah. St. Paul can't stand it when you share in the Eucharist and then are selfish. You share in the Eucharist, it makes us the body of Christ, where we live in complete unity with other people. Um, so, um, just I guess one more story. One of the priests I just admire is Virgil Michael. Do you know who he was? No, I don't know him. Virgil Michael, um, <clears throat> he was this Minnesota priest from um, St. John Abbey. And very serious, you know, he's German. You know how those people are. Um, he's a serious farm boy and he's a worker bee. So he gets his seminary training in Rome. But the problem is he didn't like Rome. He considered it a lot of show, but you don't even have to attend class when like you're Minnesota a lot better than Rome. <laughs> <laughs> so Give me that 20 below. That's what I want. <laughs> so he ends up going to Levain, but he ends up studying in this Belgium, German, right. but it stands up studying in this German monastery, and the Germans were heavily into um, the Eucharist. And he gets this whole training in Eucharistic theology so that when he goes, he goes back to Minnesota. He's working on this um, uh, Indian reservation with alcoholism and depression and um, suicide. Yeah. And he said that's when it realized the power of the Eucharist. For these people... Uh, what they need is not another government program. What they need is life. Um, so that completely changes. I, he realizes, oh, that's the effect of the Eucharist. That's the effect. Is life and love for other people. With that, we can get through any hardship. Um, the effect of the Eucharist is a solidarity with other people, with solidarity with God. Um, it's a whole different moral code. So like Virgil Michael, what the world needs is not another government program. What the world needs is spiritual life. So in the Eucharist, um, we feed on the heart of Christ so that we can love like Christ. Or another example of justice, Mother Teresa. You know, Mother Teresa connected her work with the poor with the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are shocked by that because a lot of people love Mother Teresa. You know, they love Mother Teresa. We should just be nice like Mother Teresa. But they miss the fact that the thing that gave Mother Teresa her heart of love 
she would say was a Eucharist. And so she believed uh, going out and caring for the poor in the streets is actually just putting the Eucharist into action. So she would have the her examples nuns. Examples you give, Father Frank, Father Mike, St. Teresa, this, they're empowered through the Eucharist. They're, they're able to be effective, the effect of, they're effective through Christ present within them through the Eucharist. That's what enabled it. If it was up to us, we were tired out long ago. Yeah, it's not up to us. It's, so you have two things. You have uh, the real presence, transubstantiation. Uh, the, that would be called the curl, curl, Christological side of the Eucharist, that the Eucharist is Christ. But it's so, if it is Christ, then it creates this, yeah. creates true community. We become this power for other people. And the unitive aspect of that, we're all at Mass, those able to receive full communion with the Church, we're receiving the real presence of Christ. It's the one and the same body of Christ we're receiving. And by, by, by explanation, then, we are completely united in one another through that, having received the very same Christ. That's, right. that's the importance of what we do. So if we leave the Mass, and we're right away uh, aggressive in traffic or <laughs> texting about Oh, somebody, you've seen me drive? I haven't seen you drive yet, Father. But but the point being is if we, we've just received the real presence of Christ. Its fullness is this communio, this connectivity to one to another. And God. And God, most importantly. And if we leave that moment and go right out into the worldly way and are divided, we've missed something. We, we, we've missed the point of what's this great privilege we have in the faith. So do you want to explain transubstantiation? In, I think we planned three hours for this episode to go through that. But I think it's I try, to, try to keep it simple. We have this big word, transubstantiation. And, and again, for reference, last episode we mentioned that. It's paragraphs 1322 through 1381 of the Catechism. 1322 through 1381. Transubstantiation. Put ourselves in context. As you mentioned uh, last time, Father, you were giving some definitions of these terms in Hebrew and Greek. And let's remember this. The New Testament is uh, predominantly written in Greek. There's a few excerpts of it in, that are written Aramaic. But, but John's gospel, John is writing to us in the Greek language. I think that's true. And he's writing into a Mediterranean culture at that time. He's writing to all of the world and all the world that will come. But he, he's writing using language that is metaphysical in its construct, capturing the words of Christ. So... Why does that matter? Because when we understand the language of our Lord through this metaphysical language, that's where the word transubstantiation comes from. It's a, it's a, a Greek word in its origin. It's a Greek philosophical idea. It's a Greek philosophical idea. So if we go back to uh, 450 B.C., Parmenides is the father of this philosophy. Uh, Aristotle picks up on that around 350 B.C., about 100 years later. And writes a work called Metaphysics. So we're not going to spend time on that. Just know that this metaphysical language matters. Here's why. In metaphysical speaking, this philosophy of seeing the world, uh, a, an entity has both a substance and an externality. We call those accidents. Not like stubbing your toe accident. Accidental. So the substance of a person, their beingness, is immutable. It's, it's the core of, of that person, who they are, what they are. So for parents, can I give an example? Please. So I think this is funny, but I have an odd sense of humor. 
um, uh, a little while ago, I was having a funeral uh, in Boise, and the funeral director, um, he saw me, and he says, do you know who I am? And I said, oh, yeah, I know exactly who you are. Not only the funeral director, but he's the funeral director who, who I did my first funeral with. Wow. And both of us were incredibly nervous. And he was more nervous than I was. So I have to calm him down. So I said, you, you got to, because he said, do you remember what you said to me? And I said, oh, yeah, I remember. And I said, you got to calm down. He said, this is our chance to be there for these people who need us. This is a ministry. You got to be there when people are really hurting. We're not going to make this about our nervousness. We're going to make it about, about them. them. Their needs, yeah. And uh, he said, I, and he gave me a compliment. He says, you know, that really changed my life. When you said that, I, suddenly I realized what my job is. I said, oh, that's, that's really nice. And he says, but here's my question to you. He says, can I ask you, what happened? And I said, what, what do you mean, what happened? He says, well, what happened to you? So I said, what do you mean? And he said, well used to be in such great shape. I said, you knew me when I was 20-some years old. I'm almost 60. <laughs> what happened? Life. <laughs> years passed. That's what 20-year-old isn't in shape. Right. <laughs> what uh, happened? Like, he was just, what yeah. happened? And he was serious. But, and how that relates to transubstantiation is this. Um, when I was in my 20s, I was fairly buff. But that's my accident. That's stuff on the That's outside. That's external, and it changes over time. But the thing that makes me Leonard is my substance. Is your substance. Your Leonardness. So, yeah. Your Leonardness is the same. Father Leonardness is the same as a young one, as a 20-year-old, as, as a, a priest. Grumpy old man. Well, um, but that's your, your beingness. Right. So everybody, parents can really explain this to their kids. That, ah, you know, you might be 12 years old. But you're, I don't know, let's say your name is Wes. Wes is a 12-year-old. Your body will change dramatically. Go through changes. That's accidents. That's the outside. The substance, the thing that makes Wes Wes, is his that's core, your substance. substance. That's what makes all of us who we are. And that's breathed into life by God in the womb. Breathed into life at conception. So, yeah. So God says that in the Bible. God he says, does say I knitted you together. So God Psalm 139, gives us, I did it together in a secret place. I did that. God is the source of our substance. Only God created that. We can change our accidents. Accidents we can grow, change. We age, we mark ourselves different way, change our hair. We do all those things, but they're accidental to who we are. And so in when we're reading John's gospel, and again, last episode, a Father pointed us to John's chapter 6. That's the bread of life discourse as we know it. Our Lord is speaking to his apostles. It's, it's the evening meal. It's the Passover meal he's separating. He's cel celebrating with the, his immediate followers. And he is saying these words, I am the bread of life. And then he gives us the words of institution. He says, take this and eat it of me. So in our Catholic celebration of the Mass, commissioned by Christ, what we are doing through the words of institution, repeating the words of Christ that he offered at the Last Supper, and the priest who has been uh, ordained and appointed by the bishop to execute the rubric of the Mass is saying the words of institution and through the work of the Holy Spirit, not the priest, the work of the Holy Spirit, these simple offerings of bread and wine, the breadness and the wineness are trans 
change, substance created. So the substance of bread is changed. Changed. And it goes away, and Christ's substance is now present in the bread. But the accident of bread is the same. Is the same. And the same for the wine. The, the wineness, the substance of wine goes away. And through the work of the Holy Spirit, the presence of Christ, the fullness of Christ, body, blood, soul, divinity, we say, is now present in the wine. That's Christ. Last time, Father, you, last episode, you were talking about the face of Christ, the face of God. The presence of Christ is now in the Eucharist. So our church talk, our church language is real presence of Christ. We say really, truly, and substantially present in the Eucharist. It is the fullness of Christ in the Eucharist. That's what ena enables us to then uh, be affected by that and go out in the world and have an effect through Christ. It's the effect of the Eucharist is because we're receiving the fullness of Christ through the Blessed Sacrament. It's very clever. And you'd have to know this to understand what Jesus is talking about, the Lord's Prayer. We cover that where it says the uh, bread of the you, substance. You, maybe that's worth mentioning again, Father, in case oh. someone didn't see the so last episode. In the Gospel of Luke, when you pray, you don't, we, Jesus never said pray for your daily bread. He said pray daily for, for the, the true bread. Yeah, for the, we'd say translate bread of life, but it's bread of the substance. The bread that gives life its substance. So, like to even understand the Lord's Prayer, you have to understand that Greek philosophy of substance and accidents. So when people say, well, can you get drunk on the precious blood? Yes, because it has the accidents It has of the accidents wine. of wine. It has all the same effect. But it's not wine anymore. Anymore. It's, and, it has an ex the externality of wine, tastes, smells, looks like wine. It's the real presence of Christ. And the controversial part, um, and I hear this occasionally in our society, is um, there's this heresy, Manichaeanism, um, that says, oh, no, the material things could never speak about the divine. Um, All of creation that, speaks of the divine. Well, <laughs> that the divine, spiritual things can't happen in the divine. No offense, some segments of Protestantism is known as just... It's just an internal spiritual feeling. No, we'd say, no, no, the divine actually can take on physical form. Yes. The first time that happens is Christmas, the incarnation that God takes on physical form. But it's not like, well, that just happened 2,000 years ago and is not happening again. That every happens Eucharist, every mass. Every consecration. So the real manger is not the crest scene. The real manger where God takes on physical form is the altar. The incarnation didn't stop 2,000 years ago. It's incarnated in us and in the Eucharist. The Don't we, Father, material we, use, things. we use the language of he is made re-present. Christ is made re-present in the Eucharist. That's what we say. It's re-present in the Eucharist. Because there are, in any given day around the world, there are arguably tens of thousands of masses being celebrated. And so a person can wander... How can Christ be present in all of those masses? Because he is. He's God. He can, he's not bounded by God can do the physical anything. world. He can do anything. And it's true. He's made re-present in every sacrifice of the Mass through the words of institution that a through the apostolic uh, authority of the church, through the bishops, a priest is able to, to do that. So the effects of the Eucharist, you can cover with your kids, they're twofold. Christological, that ah, it does become the real presence of Christ. And ecclesiological, 
you share in communion, then yeah, like Father Frank, you're fed on the bread of life. Your life must called into mission. Yeah, you must. Your life must be bread for others. You're called to become a Father Frank or a Mother Teresa to love like Christ. You've been, you've eaten the heart of God. You will love like God. And Father, what a beautiful idea. Paul, the Apostle Paul says that. He says, you know that great quote, I can do all things through Christ. Christ doesn't do all things through me. I can do all things through Christ. He uses me to execute his will and mission. And so like Father Frank and others you reference, we can be called into mission and we can question, well, I don't, I don't know how to do this or I don't have the ability. I have all these limitations. Great. Acknowledge that. Those are accidental. What's real is Christ working through you and and those opportunities will become available if we're truly humble and look for them. So in that way, the Eucharist does not only does the body and blood, sorry, not only does the bread and wine change, but in the Eucharist, we change. So in conclusion, go out and make some sandwiches. Amen. Thank you, Father. Great stuff. What is that? Jesus in a bathrobe? What do you, what do you got there? I'm not saying it's weird. I'm just saying it's Father John. Um, you're interfering with my light. Do you want me to move? Because I can. What's what's wrong? What's? Do you need my help? Is this one working? How does my voice sound? Silky. Ew. It's just so cozy here. I feel like a cat in front of a fireplace.